0: all right welcome to another episode of not investment advice we've got the nia boys here today trung fan jack butcher Bilal zaidi boys let's get straight into this one this is for the hardcore people who've been with us since the beginning been asking us questions all the time on twitter at telegram we got an ama episode every time we do this people really love it so let's know what you think of this one i don't one. know
1: what's more ironic People go coming on. on giving investment advice or not investment advice or us giving advice on not investment <laughs> There's advice.
0: There's <laughs> no opinions. advice there, only opinions. Yeah,
1: no <laughs> advice. This is just, this, I'm just telling you what I've done in my life as a
2: cautionary tale.
0: <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Exactly. All right, boys, I think we got a lot. Of, I'm just going to go straight into these. And for people who didn't get a chance to submit, make sure you're in the Telegram group. It's in the show notes below. Um, that's where we always ask people to submit questions we've got a few questions from last time as well that we didn't get to so we're just going to pepper them in and uh, let's just get straight into it this one was from Callum talking about tribalism in crypto it was a follow-up to the conversations we just had with Michael Saylor and Tetranode and we had a few comments like this but Callum asked, what's your honest assessment view on the tribalism in the crypto community it sounds like it lends more credibility to the corporations exchanges who who then end abstracting away all this fighting from the regular consumer. So essentially, what do you think of all the infighting, the religious stuff we've talked about, uh, Shia, Sunni, Protestant Catholic going on in crypto ETH versus Bitcoin. What do you guys reckon? Who's going, Trung? I'll go. Yeah. Uh, One thing I think it maybe
2: is indicative of you know I hate to say the cliches were still early, but the uh any like nascent technology or any nascent idea is like the ideological battleground is the first uh the first place of conflict I think, and that's like because all of this stuff is being discussed remotely globally on social like all of the tactics that people use to get your attention in every industry field, whatever it might be, kind of devolve to not necessarily name calling, but definitely like more, uh, extreme, extremely packaged points of view. Does that make sense? Like this, the arguments tend to just devolve into, and we're kind of I don't even know how much further it can go at this point, but we're we're at what feels like some fairly far ends of the extreme argumentative points, right? Like even the last couple of guests we've had on the show have had some pretty uh, aggressive analogies, shall we say, that when we talked about Bitcoin and uh, like biblical... um, Similarities in the conception and, and uh, participation in the Bitcoin ecosystem. But at the same time, those points have had, had to get more and more like controversial to maintain narrative share, I think. And that's like an unfortunate consequence of the internet as the only real field of discussion for this thing. Like an internet native currency asset, blah, 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 is going to what's going to come with that now is the way discourse happens on the internet. And if you can't make something controversial enough to get attention, it's worth basically nothing anyway. Right. Like, unless it's, uh, unless it's like a commodity that's already been adopted, like to get people to care about something. Um, it feels like that's the extreme, that's the nature of the, the conversation and the mechanics of Twitter in particular that encourages that kind of, ridiculousness and i think we've we've like we've proven it out with our last few episodes that like the people that are dominating the narrative in either or any space are the ones that are putting a stake in the ground and saying something very extreme yeah
1: dude i uh so i just want to say how much i love jack bringing up the idea of uh just to keep the narrative attention like just if you just to be on the playing field you just have to go I mean, it's, a, it's well known in politics, right? Is when you're starting the political journey, you take the most extreme position possible, like in the United States in the primaries is cause you have to win for your party. But then when you go to the main election and uh, the, the field has whittled down,
2: you, you, can down quote, quote,
1: you can go back to the middle a bit. Right. But that's such a great point. <laughs> what's that? I mean, let's just call it spade. A spade. We saw a couple of comments in the telegram group about how, uh, uh, two of our last uh, four or five guests, uh, obviously Michael Saylor, uh, a Bitcoin Maxi, and then Tetranode, uh, effectively an ETH Maxi. Uh, we had a couple comments where they weren't super happy with how that kind of turned into basically a lot of mudslinging, right? And um, with what I would say is that, yes, there's definitely some mudslinging. Uh, our, our intention isn't just to bring people on to sling mud and like, hey, let's hope this gets clipped and uh, it gets thrown on Twitter. Although it did get clipped, and Vitalik did a reply, but that wasn't the intention. I think both of those were super long talks. Um, ninety percent of them, outside of kind of these straight up attacks, were like, "Ah, oh, there's actually some quite insightful and a lot of insightful stuff here." Uh, obviously gets drowned out a bit by the the. Uh, <laughs> nah, I'm not even gonna say what said. If the you listen to a lot of those episodes, yeah, yeah you yeah. know what happened—the clippable parts. Um, the last thing I want to say about that was. There's this amazing uh, paper about how Twitter changes communication. It's from a philosopher in Utah. It's a Vietnamese philosopher, actually. I'm really uh, embarrassed that I don't know his name and I'm too lazy to pull it up now. But uh, his whole point was, he basically wrote a paper explaining how Twitter changes the way you communicate. And his thesis is, I mean, we know what changes how we communicate, but he he actually really framed it in in a very digestible way. He's like, okay, if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, this is what Rotten Tomato does uh, for a critic of a film movie. It's either thumbs up or thumbs down, essentially. Right? So if and then uh, and the way that's kind of uh, translated into um, the Rotten Tomato scores is if a movie has fifty one percent like positive uh, reviews from uh, the reviewers, that gets like a positive, right? That's like that's not a Rotten Tomato. That's like the that's like the tomato. Um, and what he's saying is Twitter does the same thing in that all the nuance is literally taken out. It's like to the score that you're given is a retweet or a fave. And you're not getting either of those with like well thought out and argued points. Right? So uh, it's not just that the content itself, but the other thing that he mentions, and I love for you guys to noodle on this actually, cause we're we're pretty big Twitter users. He says, even as a user of Twitter, you're given so few tools to actually express how you feel about a piece of content. So as an example, a funny meme that you look at for one second and you press the fave button or retweet, all you've expressed is that meme was able to make you laugh for two seconds. But if there's a tweet where you think like a week later, you actually think that is like, damn, that was like super deep. It doesn't reflect like that level of changing your consciousness. Right? <laughs> So the communication that happens is completely fine. you're, Trump,
0: you're talking about the, the threads that say there are 8 billion people in the world and no, no, they don't no, no. use, oxyg- like they don't use oxygen yeah. properly and this is how to make no, the most out exactly, right? of Those things go the super vulnerable,
1: <laughs> but they give, you the, they give you the instant hit like the dopamine yeah. hit, right? You feel like you've learned something or, or gone a useful tool. No, I'm messing I re- around, obviously, I, yeah, but I didn't yeah, realize yeah. you're shit you're shit posting <laughs> me right now. But yeah, it, so it flattens the communication for the, the content creator and also the content consumer, right? So like as a consumer of content, you don't even like you're being taken away from trying to find depth in anything because you're getting this instant dopamine hit. So all I'm trying to say about that is. Jack brought up a great point. These crypto battles are happening on Twitter and Twitter naturally flattens out the landscape of what content can be created and also what kind of content appeals to people. And uh, TikTok's doing the same thing, right? It's like people are like, like Bilal's like, if it's not 30 seconds and like tightly cut, I'm not watching it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. man, try watching a movie. Have you watched a movie recently? Oh my dude. We're gonna get onto that. Have you
1: you tried to watch a movie without looking at your phone? It's impossible.
0: I I, I went the other day to the park where they did like an outdoor movie and I kind of knew, it was like a Disney movie that I knew I didn't want to watch, but I just was being nice. So I I kind of turned up and it's to me, it's like, if it's not something I really want to watch, it's no point me going because like, my attention span is not going to handle it. And I put my phone away and I was like 20 minutes in. I'm like, man, I really, yeah, I'm so bored. And I just had to, thankfully, it started raining. But um, Trung, I was just going to add to what you said there. I, my opinion on this question to remind people, the question is about tribalism and crypto. My opinion is we've always had tribes. We always will have tribes. It's just more, you know, accentuated now. And we've kind of gone from, especially in the West, we've become probably, you know, the trend has been we've become less religious, but we've, you know, there's plenty of religious people in the States, but, you know, on average that has become less of a prominent thing. Um, and we've kind of replaced it with like veganism versus keto, you know, uh, CrossFit versus whatever. And and like crypto is the same. It's like Bitcoin crew versus Eve crew. And, you know, yeah. like to, to your original point, like my whole intent with anything we put on the pod is always like most people are pretty much welcome on the show and even like you even like specifically with tetra when he talked about pomp who's you know we know pomp is our boy but like my instinct there was not to like interrupt him and be like hey man like that's our friend it was just like let him talk it's like it's our platform for us to for him to share his opinion and like as long as someone's not like extra extra rude i think he did say something that was a little rude about pomp but it's not that crazy, you know, we're all adults. I'm sure if Pomp was there, he would be able to take that and be able to, like, respond in way. Yeah, I was say, if in anybody can take Mudsling it's <laughs> <Yeah>, like, <exactly. laughs> he's but, an uh, expert, like, and, and so that was kind of my, uh, you know, feeling on that. But, like... That's kind of my point. It's Like we've always had these things. We've just replaced them with things like that. So even people who are atheists and they're like, "Oh man, I hate when religious people are like this." They don't realize they they're like the crazy democrat that's only watching well, CNN, yeah, or, is a religion or, or the in Fox a lot of ways, News right? person who is yeah. like, "Close the border because of this crazy thing I saw on YouTube or whatever." Um, and my point to all of this is like, when you've got a world which is dominated by you know one-liners and the short attention span, which also impacts me that is what you're going to get you're going to get the extreme stuff you're going to have andrew tate surfacing on tiktok with crazy one-liners that gets him banned. you know so that's kind of the stuff which does stand up but honestly it's the reason i love long form and podcast is because totally. it's the closest we get to actually have a nuance and a real discussion so that is why there's one tenth of the audience on podcast but to me that's more important as a Someone who makes stuff is like I'd rather spend time creating stuff for the ten percent of people versus one hundred percent of people who are just gonna like and retweet my stuff. Or exactly, whatever.
1: it's that Twitter, like the flattening of the experience, right? Exactly. Is, uh, you're not gonna walk away from, from these uh Google plugin threads and be like, "Yo, I'm uh, reevaluating my life." Yeah. But you might listen to a four hour Rogan podcast. about Yo, yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> seriously, that, I would actually add that to one of the questions we've got coming up on on uh books and movies i'll, I'll add podcasts into that because okay. i think honestly there's been oh yeah a fair few of those. wait All so back. quickly uh i'm done here but last thing i'll
1: say the philosopher's name is c t nguyen uh vietnamese cat uh really really good philosopher i, I butchered his uh his thesis oh it's uh shit we should just get him on the pod He was actually on ezra Klein's pod and crushed it but nice. uh he's yeah, a we man. Should.
2: we should i was Love just it. gonna add one more uh Resource, you know, not investment <laughs> advice, but you guys ever read the base go. camp book on uh oh yeah, a, oh, Which one? Rework? Uh or Getting Real. Is it called Getting Real? I haven't real? read that one because he's had anyway, a couple, yeah. Or it's Is like a series of blog posts or something, but they have a chapter in it called Pick a Fight. And it's like just the marketing one oh one. Yeah, it's like choose an enemy and go after him. And that's like I went to Italy three years ago and went to the Coliseum, and you're standing in there and you're just like, This was full up every day with people. I mean, we've gotten a lot more civilized when you think about it. It's not like people ripping organs out of each other for entertainment. Yeah. For the it's most just part. tweeting
0: them instead. It's tweeting, yeah.
2: Like you're still on destroying
1: people's lives, right? Like you can still destroy people's lives via tweet. Yeah, I mean, you're for just sure. not. You're, it looks in more civilized. A yeah, way, in a different yeah. way.
2: Yeah, yeah, in a different right. way. I wouldn't compare on. it to getting dismembered on, in a. Uh, <laughs>
1: No, totally, totally. But I mean, in the far extreme of uh, of uh. Yeah, I almost extreme, spat my tea out there. Sorry. I'm it's, just, it's like yeah, the yeah, yeah, extreme of social
2: communication
1: does devolve
2: into. For sure, into, yeah, yeah, yeah. Into, know, Tra, this is a sensitive topic, Truong. We'll move on. <laughs>
1: <True>. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's not dig into it. But the last thing I'll say is that to your point about the base camp, guys, they did it perfectly with, with the email with thing, Apple, right? Right.
2: They'd
0: hit yeah. it
1: perfectly. They called out Apple for blocking their email app. They hit the new cycle. I mean, that was just They've done it so many times. Games
2: did a a similar thing, right? With
0: uh, the App Store. Uh
2: epic epic yeah epic game sorry yeah yeah yeah
0: remember that on base Camp, they did um with the google search as well they were like we're <gasps> having to bid on own brand term and this is evil and like you know that's a whole hour of discussion there so we don't need to go down the- google, but it was like so they played it to as a soon as google's
1: evils like guys <laughs> let's not let's not discuss former a google employee because like, guys listen uh, let's not talk about suit that okay. comes on man so <laughs> comes
2: it, on but it's, people love watching a fight too right it's like why people love watching reality tv just what like the realer and dirtier and messier and like uglier a situation you can just be like a voyeur on like people are all over that well jack like it's like in a, Twitter, that- in a school playground
0: in a school playground both of you remember anytime fight, fight, there's yeah, a fight yeah, yeah. everyone's like <laughs> oh my god fight yeah, you run yeah, over yeah. and you know you're not supposed to but you're there that's naturally what happened. Okay, so. let me
1: do, I got one last content. If, uh, if Jack gave uh, this uh, unsolicited content recommendation, I'm gonna give one to you. I wanna find it for you guys. There's a clip of Sean Hannity on YouTube. So the actual real life clip is 30 seconds. He brought on a lib and uh, proceeded to tear that individual apart. But somebody did a analysis of the tear part and they made a 30 second video into like 10 minutes. And they just pointed out, like the hundreds of different of ways the Fox News when they bring on an enemy, they just frame it so that person looks so bad, and Sean Hannity just tears them apart. Like editing techniques, uh, we'll put those in the show notes. Yeah, it's wild. Well,
2: it's, I mean, it's uh, not to get too heady, but it's the same idea as like putting on theater, right? It's like it yeah. is a theatrical performance where you have people sitting there that you know their disposition, and you're going to play to that disposition or try and influence their
0: disposition. Right. It is a uh, so theater <laughs> there we go all right boys we gotta move it on because uh, we got plenty to get through but a great question from Callum all right this one is from Jeff Jeff asked this a similar question last time we didn't get to and he asked a revised question now. Uh, So his question was, the easiest online business opportunities, most worthwhile coding languages to learn when starting from zero? I don't know if any of us are qualified on the coding part, though maybe you guys might be. But the question is really around, like, if you're starting from scratch, online business opportunities. I think, Jack, you probably have something in mind since you have a whole curriculum on this. The stuff that I've written about is quite
2: specific to like taking a skill that you've built in an environment that might be offline or less online and turning that into an asset that can, uh, change the relationship you have with the business, right? Like if you're a designer, if you're an editor, if you're a writer, you can get leverage through publishing and creating assets that are bigger than you and work around the clock. Um, therefore, you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So I have a like a view to how that is a viable path. If I was starting again, I'm trying to think what I would do. Um, media businesses, I think, are very hard now. Like uh, Trung's probably got a good uh, point of view on this, but like growing a newsletter to a monetizable size, I think is is a real difficult task. Not impossible, but you have to get extremely narrow with your focus. One of my favorite examples of this is there's a Substack newsletter. I think that writes about Amazon, just about what Amazon is doing. And you imagine there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that are so materially invested in Amazon that they will pay you to teach them about what's happening with that. But a lot of people start way too wide. Um, We could go into, I mean, it feels like a whole episode. You could talk about it. Um, on the, on the development side, I think that solidity is not a bad idea right now. Like there is a absolute dearth of talent in that world because of obviously the amount of hype that was created around it last year. But I think there's like a lot of serious and interesting projects that you can get involved in. And there's a lot of companies that are just trying to up like just trying to staff that capability, even in an exploratory uh, capacity. So I think if you have a decent, um, if you have a decent working grasp of solidity, there's like plenty of opportunities out there. Um, As for other coding stuff, I think beyond even like learning languages, I think getting really um, competent in a particular tool that has like, advantages that span a lot of different opportunities, like a Webflow or a Framer where you can, Yeah, I was
0: gonna say like a no-code sort of tool, you mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like Webflow is is shout out to whoever's building Webflow because they're like they're building some really incredible features into this no code platform where you can build basically anything. You can build an e-commerce website, you can build membership websites, you can build all of these um Things that used to cost I worked in agency businesses that would charge $10 million to build a site that now costs you 30 bucks a month to build. It's just crazy how fast that comes up. And like a really focused agency business, I think is still a great opportunity. Like if you can publish a portfolio of work or even go out there and do permissionless projects for things that you're interested in and then take 80% of that work, reskin the last 20% and go out and, and sell that as a service use a platform like Twitter to get the attention of people that you want to work with. I still think there's an enormous amount of opportunity out there. It's just what we're seeing now is like people go and try and go mega wide and do the, like how to get sleep threads. And, <laughs> and then you're just stuck out there with nothing, right? Like you're, you may be able to tie that back to something. And in like, there are probably a few great examples where that really works. Like say you're selling a mattress or something. I think that makes a lot of sense. And all you talk about is sleep. But I think a lot of, there's a lot of non-specific, just volume and audience building to a point where, you know, there's not, there's not enough of a focus to turn that into something that has like economic totally. velocity. You get what I yeah. mean? Like, um, unless you have a really specific, like in that case, I think you'd go with someone who has a really specific personality or t- way of communicating versus somebody who could just write viral stuff, but even though that is a skill set that you can sell too like the ability to help other people understand how to get whatever it is they want to say into the Twitter algorithm and amplify it in a certain way. It's just um, so much of it is like the 10 years of grinding out specific stuff and then finding a little nook and just jamming yourself into that. Um, Not the most actionable answer, but I have loads of stuff that you can read for free on how to do it.
0: Plug it here, mate. You got pre- people already it, know plug by the this URL, point. But...
2: Dude. Commissionless Apprentice. Just Google that. First yeah. roll. There we go.
0: <laughs> did you have, pay, on. did you have to pay Google you, for that? No. Jack, did it's you have to pay there, Google mate. for that? I own that keyword. <laughs> 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 all right, that was great. Jack, I have some thoughts too. But Trunk, anything you want to share? Yeah,
1: I'll do a quick one. Is uh, I I agree with Jack that start like the idea of starting a media, a solo media business, it sounds straightforward enough, <laughs> right? You have all the tools there. Uh, and even the advice of going niche, right? Like this is like, we've talked about this before, If just something as simple as, let's say you actually have 10 years in the plumbing space and you're like, Hey, I want to make plumbing sexy, throw in some memes. Like that's actually a formula. A lot of people are doing, right? They take a B2B business and like, let's just add memes. And people want to read me all the time. The only, the two things I will say is this. The first one is if you don't think you can do that for five years, don't do it. Don't start. And the reason is this, and Jack touched on it. It takes a very long time to build things to scale. Like, listen, we know, like our buddy Sean grew his crypto newsletter to six figures, uh, but he's and he's able to put paid behind that because
0: it was in a niche. But having said that, and this, they're doing a great job, but they're also starting with him and he already yeah, has a platform himself, right? Yeah. And Twitter, yeah. yeah, he already has a platform. He started from zero, but he's built up yeah. one step at a time.
1: Well, to your point, he actually didn't start from
0: zero because he's already known quantity. No, I mean before yeah. that he started from yeah. zero. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, fair enough, you know fair I mean? enough. Yeah. Um,
1: but what I would say is like, so a lot of people kind of like that model where uh, you you go down an industry and you can potentially put paid behind it because you can target people for that industry. Industry Dive, uh, which is, does B two B newsletters, recently sold for five hundred million, uh, but it took them ten years to do it, and uh, and audience building in that kind of that
2: vein is not it's not easy. Like, Who bought them, Trump? Do you know?
1: Uh, um a large events business. I forgot oh. the name here. Hold on a second. Million. Call Informa, Informa, um, Informa. Informa,
0: them. okay, yeah. oh, that's right. <laughs> So what I'll
1: say is like, you can build, I mean, you can even build these solo ones that if you wanted to, you build, make job boards and do ads just specific for the industry. But what I'm saying is like, if you don't think you can do it for five years, like at a minimum, like you sh- the, the reality is you should do it. You have to really start. enjoy doing yeah. that. It's because you will burn out, right? Like I know a number of Substack newsletters that kind of went down this route, uh, one was for the renewable industry or uh, clean energy. Uh, I forgot what it was. It was one of the top newsletters, actually. And then she wrote an, uh, a Substack, uh, the writer of it. We should actually post it. She explained why she gave up on it, which is kind of big. She had a lot of paying subscribers and she's just like, I that hit a point where I stopped enjoying it and it became worse than a job. It was like, I dreaded doing it. Right. And I'll, I'll give myself as an example. It's like I'm actually I'm to Jack's point about if you're too general, it's like a weakness. It's like i'm unfortunately enough i've gone to the scale where being general can work right It's like and people are willing to listen to me talk about but you,
2: anything but you're also not general in the way that all your stuff goes through the filter of humor and your writing style you right, know? right
1: right right it, it's trunk it, it, the, the, the converse is it's strong writing so it actually is in general it's one on one. right it's like if you want to hear my voice cool if not tell me to kick rocks it's fine right but to your point is i i've been writing for ten years, like I wrote a blog six years, seven years ago that nobody read, right like I've been doing this nonstop in some capacity for a decade, and for me, it's not even a question. Am I going to be doing something like I'm doing now in the next ten years? Yes, the answer is one hundred percent yes, so that answers the first part for me is like if you're not ready to do it for five years, like don't even bother right And the other thing that's tricky with these niches is if they go out of style uh you're also hitching yourself and hoping that whatever industry you marry yourself to can grow and will have exit opportunities. Unless of course you believe you can do it forever. And I, a lot of people don't, right? Who wants to do something? Unless you're Ben Thompson with Stratechery, but he's gotten so big that and tech's such a big thing that he gets kind of right about anything he wants. But if you're, if you're thinking about doing a plumbing newsletter for 20 years, like, I don't know, man, it sounds tough.
0: Yeah. And that was great drunk. I'll just add to that. I would 100% agree that like the, the problem, I think this is a good question, but it's also difficult to answer without knowing the person and their context, oh, yeah. what they like, what their skills are. Like that's really the better answer. So like, you know, the, this is just me sharing my opinion based on the little I know about you asking this and trying to make it a broader, make it applicable for a broader audience. So I would say if you're, it depends on the sort of person. So if you're the sort of person who just really wants to make money, Right, there is a completely different playbook to someone who wants to spend eight hours a day working on something they love, or ten hours a day, or whatever it ends up being, and and that is a key. Like if you think of this as a decision tree, where you go, like that's a two completely different ends of the spectrum in my opinion and like this i haven't met many people who truly truly just stay around forever because the money motivates them so after a certain point it becomes very difficult just to keep motivating yourself honestly the two exceptions i would say like the ones i've spoken to and i don't know them that well we all know them as well is sam and uh, Sean, right? Like when you speak to them about like stuff, they like, they'll talk about the money first or talk about the, you know, the kind of um, opportunity and like they're amazing at breaking that down and they will do whatever it takes to get there. I'm not saying they don't care about the things they're doing. They do as well. But I think they, people like that will start with, oh, this is a great way to make a $10 million a year business or a $100 million business. So whereas someone like me, like I prefer to say like what I've interviewed all these people who've done stuff like that right and they've some of them become billionaires and what I've seen amongst all of them is by the end of it they were like I really hated this part or after all of this it wasn't what I expected and long story short you kind of my take is you kind of want to spend time every day doing the things you want to do so right now I'm spending I'm optimizing for that freedom of time, that means choice. So that means if I'm spending time 2 hours today talking to you guys or if it's doing 5 hours of other sort of work or even having a job, those are things I'm choosing to do and that is what makes me most happy while hitting a minimum amount of income that I want to hit. And that is okay for my stage of life and I can afford to do it. Um so it really just depends on that person. If you're saying like the easiest thing to do, I still think the most easiest thing you can do is learn a skill and learn to monetize it. And that ideally would be a B2B skill. So whether that is literally, you know, design work, programming, like you said, uh, content, writing, creating great content, or in my case, paid advertising, which is not that sexy, but every business in the world is pretty much doing some sort of paid ads. And they, Uh, one thing I learned last recession there was a guy who was like 10 years older than me and I kind of laughed when he said it then but now I agree with him and he said um, something along the lines of like in a recession well basically in your career you want to stay where the money is and and I was like what is he talking about does that mean me earning money and he's like no when you're servicing a business where they're making money whether it's sales marketing any growth basically they're always gonna find, carve out a budget for you. And that was his opinion on a job, right? So, but if you look at like paid ads, for example, that is something you can literally learn in a few months quite well, test it out, get experience, go work somewhere for a little while, and you can then start freelancing on the side and just picking up clients for two grand, five grand, ten grand a month, like easily and make a good living doing that. And um, so I think that's a great place to start, especially if you're in your like 20s. That, and there's going to be a need for that skill for, for a long time. I think that's a great time.
1: recommendation. I, I just want to add one thing to Bilal's point is it's such a great call you're making here is because it's so clear what the ROI is, right? They're like, listen, we're going to pay that's this it. person $3,000 a month, and then we'll give them some on top of performance. But like, know they're putting it in and what they're getting out right like blah, you know this yeah you've got a skill that
0: directly can help them make more money and you especially in digital stuff you can like literally show them the numbers you spent x amount it resulted in x amount and and the other thing is you have to think like where their budget's coming from in most organizations they have either an in-house person or an agency and i think there's a really interesting arbitrage right now of you know, they're used to spending 20, 30 grand sometimes on an agency a month. And you're saying to them, like, this has been my pitch for the last four years. I'm more experienced than the person you're going to get an agency. I'm better than them with this experience. I'm going to charge you just a little bit less, but I'm going to be much better. And that's worked, right? And so at the same time, you need to back it up. Obviously, you can't just like pitch them something and not know what you're doing. Dude,
1: like below, what's your experience? Like, (laughs) have you ever heard of the... Bling King Empire? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly, Blah, exactly. Hold
1: on, we're gonna need to see the CVR, okay, Charity Water Cool, Google, what is this? Blinking King Empire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was, that's, that's 100% true. But anyway, so, um, yeah, that would be my recommendation for certain type of person is like, pick one of those skills and see if it kind of marries with your strengths. Like, I like numbers, I like, Thinking about marketing, I like business naturally. We talk about it for hours every week. So if you take me in a room where I'm having to talk about marketing and growth, like I naturally will feel comfortable doing that. Other people hate doing that, so they need to focus on what they're interested in. Maybe there's a more creative field, the way Jack's done it. Um, so that's kind of yeah, my my advice So for that. to
1: summarize, Jack says flow type things. These like of no code apps. Blau said, um, start the Arsenal review, uh, a website blog for <laughs> soccer. No, Blau said paid. <laughs> Advertising is a super, that's a great skill, actually. That was, I didn't see that one coming, Blah. that was a curveball. That was a great one.
2: Also, I'll add one more thing is like, if you're in an agency business and you don't want to do like highly technical stuff, lean into the ego of other people. People will pay to make themselves look good. Mm, so there's, nice. a lot of, like, there's a lot of ways that make sense. Like people pay 30 grand to get like five articles written about them to get it to get uh, verified on instagram just crazy uh outlays of cash to satisfy the ego and there's lots of different ways you could tap into that uh, yeah. idea
0: and and i'm just gonna add one last last thing for specifics of areas that are growing which i think are interesting for people to think about if you're starting today like paid ads of course is still you know thriving even though it's it's turbulent because of the recession which isn't the question we have later but if you think of a lot of growth coming from like tiktok like or you know youtube as well but tiktok specifically there's there's a need for people who create relationships with influencers or people with audiences and match them up with brands that's like literally every brand is trying to work with those people and it's really time consuming for them to go and identify the people do the outreach manage that report on impressions all that sort of stuff that's something you can easily learn and then eventually hire people to replace you. Um, and I think TikTok is really interesting just because it's blowing up. Every marketing executive is like, "What's my TikTok strategy?" Blah blah blah. And honestly, the influencer stuff still kind of works for a lot of people. So um, I would think less so about like if you're coming at it from the angle of what's growing that I can like jump on this um, kind of wave that is still growing very very rapidly. Um, all right, should we move on to the next question, boys? That was good, great question from Jeff. Um, I think we can do this one from Rohan next about storytelling and marketing. It's a little bit of a long question, but I'll try to read this quickly. How important of a skill is storytelling and marketing, a product to consumers, attracting employees, raising funds, etc.? Two personalities that come to mind who have harnessed this skill to a large extent are Elon Musk and more recently Adam Newman. However, in my mind, storytelling can only go so far before customers and investors start to see past that. Would love to hear your comments. I think it's in our wheelhouse. I think think the answer is
1: kind of already in the question, right? Like storytelling uh, will get you the momentum to start something, and it will get you uh, people married to your vision, but. Let's take let's take Elon for example. Uh, he's an incredible storyteller, obviously, in the way he frames. Um, let's take SpaceX. He wants to, you know, give humans a second planet, in, right? That's the story. That's the overarching story for SpaceX. Now, if you buy into that story, you're willing to do a lot, right? You're willing to work hundred hours a week, and he does that himself. So he's not asking anybody to do something that he otherwise wouldn't do. Now, I think to Rohan's point, what, where it gets tricky is, let's say you. Woo! A hundred of the world's top applied engineers to your business. Uh, let's call making space rockets. And the story was what wooed them, but you weren't doing the second part of that, which is working a hundred hours a week. Yeah, I think people are going to bounce. Right? I think people are not going to believe that you believe the story. So that's a long way of saying: if you sell a, if you sell something, a company, a product on a story, but you yourself don't believe that story, and it's reflected in your actions. I think to his point, everybody will see through that investors, customers, uh, employees, and they'll bounce.
0: Yeah. Um, it's kind of like what we were just saying. You got to back it up, obviously. Yeah, right, exactly. But, and but like, of and course, like, yeah, it, Like
1: Elon, he's working a hundred hours a week, right? So that's the thing. Um, whereas Adam Newman, he was selling this vision, but a lot of the reality was that he was kind of just trying to get effing rich and, uh, and quote unquote influential without having to pay, the dues of what it takes to build a sustainable real estate business. Right. Um, I think that was, that. that's
0: the difference. Jack, any thoughts, mate? Yeah. I think that like
2: the people that can do both are quite remarkable too, right? Like the, I think Trunk's point about story being momentum and then execution is, depends on the complexity of the business too. Like if you're building rockets, there's obviously like, the execution of that story is much more difficult than, you know, even like any business that is much smaller than that, which a lot of us have perspective on and can give like actionable advice on building a business with a couple people. But if you're employing 20,000 people, that's a whole different game. Like there's just no, no way that you're executing on that grandiose story without an incredible amount of, Execution ability. So, uh, well,
1: that's yeah. a founder manager thing, right? A lot of these founders don't end up managing the company. They, they get it to a certain point and they're great at storytelling. They're not great at the other part. So, I think, I mean, again, it was in his question, right? It's like, what happens when it falls apart? It's like some people just don't have both skills.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I mean, I think story is like kind of a maybe, I don't know, I think there are people who, I can't think of an example of someone who's just amazing at telling stories and is not successful. You know, like if you're amazing at telling stories, you can basically stop gap everything else. Cause you can tell the story to get the person to execute. Yeah. You can tell the story to get the capital. You could like, to me, it might not be, um, it may be sexier to be a rocket scientist or it may be more difficult to become a rocket scientist even, but like the bar is lower to become a great storyteller and it's like, a more solid insurance policy. Like yeah. if, if if you had to pick one of the two, and again, hammer, nail situation <laughs> here, then storytelling <laughs> is well, like coverage of bases in many ways.
1: It's industry agnostic, right? You can,
2: you can right, tell a story right.
1: about anything, like plumbing. <laughs> yeah,
2: and, and obviously in the wrong hands and unethically applied, that can be a recipe for fraud. So uh, obviously tread carefully with that too. But as we've seen with all these, these uh, like founder stories. Yeah. The only difference between, um, fraud and a successful business is kind of execution. Right. And that's, uh, that's very hard to do, especially with like Rockets or medical equipment or bridges or. Yes, yeah, so Elizabeth tunnels. Holmes. Well, that's the thing that people keep asking,
1: right? Is like, what's the difference between Adam Newman and Elizabeth Holmes? They both lie to investors. They both lie to customers. It's like the difference is that Elizabeth Holmes is working right. in the health field, right? And like giving people wrong diagnoses.
0: And to be fair, we work like as much as it fell off since the top, but. It's still a public company. Oh, yeah, company, it's a business, no? right? It's he a, created the category. It's, a,
1: it's the best name, like the brand name. Yeah, they well, did do like something. Uber even... And the
2: things like that, right? They've just been pissing yeah. money away for years and years and years. But the, the service still, you wake
0: up and open your phone, it <laughs> still works. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, the last thing I'll say, I think you already kind of summarized it, boys. But um, yeah, the way I, I think storytelling is one word, and I think that's a better word to use but the way i think of it in business specifically is someone creates something another person or group promotes it and sells it essentially and those are kind of like two big obviously there's the operations and everything too but like those are two of the most important parts especially in tech like you've got the vision you've got the steve wozniak and you've got the steve jobs steve jobs was probably a bit of both but he was definitely storyteller first and foremost by the time it got to you know the scale they got to and so i think like we said both are important you can't have one without the other like if you just create a great computer but don't know how to tell the world about it that's not going to work either in most cases um there are a few exceptions where it really did get out there but most of the time especially in 2022 you need to be able to tell a story like you said and that is like you said, consumers, employees, um, you know, investors, whatever—all the stakeholders of a business. You need to be able to convince them. And in my opinion, that is the skill of an entrepreneur. So, like that is that initial spark. They grow it to a certain stage, um, and and then after that, like you said, sometimes, Trung, you you you're not the same person to get to the next stage. You need to hire Eric Schmidt or a Sheryl Sandberg yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, I do. I think though that the way Rohan asked this question, he's saying like how important is it as a skill? I think if you were just like learning storytelling but you'd had nothing to sell, I, I think you need to find something to sell, whether that's something yourself or for a company. And I find like a lot of people get really good at like they'll spend 100 hours learning copywriting but then have nothing to like write about to sell, right? And so... That's kind of the, the two parts to it. It's like you need to have something to sell in the first place. Oh, copywriting
1: is another great skill that we could have added to the one. The That's ones. true actually,
0: yeah. especially yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, All right, next. Should we go next question? We got another 20, 25 minutes. Um, Tyler asked this, the next trillion dollar company update. In 2021, you guys had a discussion about a next trillion-dollar company and <sighs> mentioned <got> Square, <laughs> Stripe, and others. I think <laughs> I Coinbase was, was in there too. We, we oh, yeah. to, st-
1: <laughs> Square, Stripe, Coinbase, and Shopify. <laughs> I think we were, yeah. Well, we were trying to like discuss. No, it's based like, on like in the hundred billion range. Yeah, which so, one's so, hitting next? Guys, here, hold on. Full disclaimer here. There were parameters of why we did those uh those guesstimates. But still, I mean <laughs> I would still put Stripe and Square in that box, right? Like, well the question maybe less yeah, just to clarify
0: huh? the question people who don't know is how was twenty twenty two shifted those those expectations given the macro climate and re you know, pricing of everything.
1: I don't you know what? I'll say it hasn't because the expectations it take those things a decade to get there.
0: Right? Yeah, fair. And
1: what what I mean it hasn't is what was the thesis behind why we thought Square and Stripe would become trillion dollar companies it's because 90% of the economy is still real world right it's not all e-commerce yet. it's not all digital and as soon as that gets to 40 50% if it does i'd expect that that's a very reasonable assumption to make
2: when it that's does how,
1: yeah when it does i mean they're start they're going to be taking a rip off that business and they're facilitating that business then yeah it's still in the playbook so i i, I definitely keep uh uh square and Stripe or Block as it's called, Block and Stripe there. Um, Shopify, I'm a little bit concerned actually. I'll tell you the things about Shopify that concern me, not necessarily the, the, the drawdown that's happened, but there it, it looks like Amazon might <laughs> stamp them out, right? There just might be a world where s- spinning up an e-commerce business is actually just not that profitable. And a lot of people just aren't going to be good enough at it. And at the end of the day, people are just going to go to Amazon. Because if you actually look at the DTC space, you can make a pretty credible argument that there hasn't actually been a great, like, uh,
0: sustainable
1: DTC company. Like all the, all these ones that went public
0: at a large scale, at yeah, a large scale, they've all lost I'd money. Like the medium, the smaller ones. Yeah, the, the, you, the thing the is, the like, you can have like, like
1: a bricks and mortars with online presence, but at the end of the day, is like. I mean, Jack runs a Shopify business, a a digital one, but like if you ran a brick and mortar one or any other ships, like that's a lot of stuff to deal with and like how many are actually profitable, especially after the Facebook ads, business got completely demolished. I mean, that was a big part of Shopify getting destroyed, right? You could used to be able to target profitably on Facebook and acquire customers. Now you can't. Facebook's rebuilding that business. They're just gonna take them a long time to do it. But yeah, I mean, there's a oh, world.
0: Right. Cla- I wouldn't say you can't completely, but it's become harder. Oh yeah, for it's, sure. it's, yeah, yeah. it's more
1: expensive. It's harder the, yeah, and more expensive. it's more expensive. expensive.
0: You can't target as well. But Which you're right, if yeah. you're
1: running a Shopify Fire business, you have thin margins, you yeah. That's
0: true. If you've yeah. got the right people <laughs> on your team, then I you know I love the Chung's like Chung, you're,
1: sorry Chung. I do paid here, man. And uh, I can tell you right now, I can offer you for a little bit less money, but better performance.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. So,
1: um, what else? Is, so, the last thought I had about that is there's a chance that Shopify might just get acquired before can you get to a trillion, right, or 500 mm, billion? Like or Google or Facebook, it makes sense for them to acquire Shopify. Um, and then the one, the last one I'll throw in there uh, before you guys. Uh, uh, sorry for hijacking this one, but uh, I think SpaceX easily will be a trillion dollar business. Uh, bits. I mean, Adams is was we alluded to just on the last question is the hardest shit in the world. Um, launching and landing rockets is literally the hardest thing you could possibly do, uh, as a, uh, as a business and they're doing it. And the Starlink moat is going to be massive. Um, so yeah, I'll say that. I'll nice. throw SpaceX in the ring and that's not that's saying it's already nice. at 150 billion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jack, any to add there before we move on? I'm just Googling something all right while you're pulling Uh, up i will say yeah i just agree with what you said but i i think stripe is kind of a boring answer but i think stripe is pretty pretty unstoppable just the way they're set up the momentum they have i mean long long term i don't see them really slowing down uh but yeah jack go for it mate bite dance Mm, there we go yeah 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 yeah.
1: Uh, but i mean the thing with Byte, they already got to about half a billion so like yeah they're they're and it depends on what happens with TikTok. Ultimately, I uh, don't don't make trunks yet again. But TikTok should be banned in the United States, <laughs> or sell it to Walmart, sell it to Oracle, as originally was planned. TikTok should not be allowed to operate as a Chinese company. It's, it's insane. It's it's wild to me that it's allowed to own a U.S. culture like that. And uh, and I know that they're working to assuage fears. But man, gotta do what you gotta do, right? Uh, the United States is a uh, is a republic uh, has its own territories. And tip for tat, right, if you're going to ban everything in China, it makes sense uh, uh, in a way,
0: legally, if you got to do it through courts, yeah. to do the same. for enough. Um, all right, boys, so we move on because we've got quite a few more to get through as much as we can here. Um, this one was from last time. I've, let's see if you guys want to answer it. Enigma operator said, what are your physical routines? Do you take any supplements? How do you cope with stress or anxiety? You guys up for talking about this? Yeah. Just Red Bull, isn't it, for you, Tron? <laughs>
2: There <laughs> uh, we go
0: i'll
1: do it quick Is like i i drink a lot of caffeine and uh uh drink a lot that of caffeine helps your stress and anxiety yeah. <laughs> no because i'm tired in the mornings uh i i've been drinking way too much alcohol this summer um alcohol really messes up my sleep uh i think i'm probably gonna go sober until next summer it just does not work for my sleep um uh that, those are the two main things N- nothing nice. complicated drink a lot of water do caffeine in the morning and try to skip alcohol. That's that would be optimal for me.
0: Jack, what about you, mate? I know you've got your PT sessions going I'm back in it. Yeah. Four, four days a week. I'm training now killing it and trying to get
2: my, uh, try and get my macros. Right. So I did like a nutrition, did this nutritionist thing a few years ago and had a very, um, militant macro, situation weighing food what was was it like you're you're
0: doing the weighing food stuff Mm -hmm. i'm doing it right now we'll talk about it in a sec god damn tell me what was the broccoli boys what was was it like Uh, roughly uh at the end of it i was
2: eating like 210 Grams of protein a day, Jeez. <laughs> grams of fat, killing it. Hundred and seventy wow. car- grams of carbs, yeah. So it's like three thousand calories or something,
0: dude. That's a lot of protein when
2: you're, when you're training, and you were putting uh, on weight.
0: You were trying to grow, right? You're trying to put muscle. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh
2: And and that, like before that, you do an elimination thing, fifteen hundred calories, like on a list of like approved non-inflammation foods, and so the stuff work. It, like it works amazingly well, but it's like. It has it lifestyle and social implications. So I'm trying to get back to a uh, more moderate version of that, where I know it, I stick to it. If I, you know, people are visiting or a couple nights a you month to go out bit. and have a little, you know, On the lash, a rowdy. couple of shandies. Exactly, mate. <laughs> but you can, the baseline is kind of set now. So try and do that. And then uh, I actually got the whoop.
0: Oh, thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got that sent.
2: And uh I love it, but it's also like it's also like a huge mental mental
1: imposition. When it right?
2: says like, hey, by the way, you're feeling like shit today. Don't forget that. Sometimes
0: <laughs> it's like uh Yeah, you're like, oh, I was about to go home. No, but right use excuses yeah. like uh
1: sorry, I can't uh, can't take the kid uh, anywhere today, gotta stay home and meditate I'm on, for the <laughs> I'm five hours.
0: <a>
2: Thirty nine <laughs> percent recovery still today. I yeah, need to
1: uh, yeah. meditate for the next five hours. Uh whoop told me.
2: Yeah, I'm getting eight hours of sleep, boys. Just, oh, that I mean that's good.
1: This is the thing, it's not complicated, right? Cut alcohol and get it out of sleep. That solves like 90% That's of the nice
2: problems.
0: That's a boys. a thread, right? Don't drink 15 pints a week and go to bed on time. <laughs> that definitely helps. Have you, you guys, you got the whoop? I've used the Aura Ring. I do use the Aura Ring. Like, it really crushes you. You'll see the impact of drinking on that. Like, you one
2: beer or two resting beers, resting heart rate is it, elevated
0: yeah. all night it's not not the best uh I've got the, say- the bed cooler too oh the what is that the Ula. Oh, the oh, A sleep okay, okay. i think it's the same thing the same it's sort thing. yeah 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 I had, cool, the, I had that Crate like, lab. if anyone's interested you can listen to uh how it works how it regulates the sleep through temperature but <laughs> that's um, good too boys i'll say mine really quickly if you finish yours jack did you finish yours all right cool yeah so mine is Basically, the summary is, after COVID, I went way off the wagon for a long, long time, was going too hard. You know me, I'm pretty all or nothing sort of person, so I'm doing the complete opposite right now. I'm like two months into like way, you know, cleaning everything up, pretty much just drinking water mostly, um, apart from when Trung and I got to oh, catch Oh, yeah, up let's talk about for, that after yeah. you finish your story. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, similar. But I mean, the four pillars are basically like, you know, sleep food, nutrition, movement, and stress. And so the first three, I, I think my stress levels are pretty good already. Um, I've injured my knee and my ankles. Shit. And so I'm like limited in like, I can't lift weights as much as I'd like to right now, but I've basically doing what I can. So I'm like playing tennis now, I've started playing this game called paddle, which is like tennis <laughs> and squash put together, which is sick. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm eating super clean right now, like 17, 800 calories a day. Uh, I put everything in my fitness pal. Uh yeah, I've cut like twelve pounds in weight right now. I'm going nice, probably brother. way, way more than that. Probably need another like twenty because I'm was way off the off the bandwagon. So I need to cut and then build up muscle again. But um yeah, that's the, the kind of phase I'm in right now. So it's honestly the big thing for me personally. I've done this a few times before, but a lot of people are overcomplicated, like you said. But sometimes like the simple part sometimes isn't enough either so for example if you're trying to cut weight like a lot of people be like oh calories in calories out that's all that matters and to a certain extent is you're still very important but for a lot of people you if you're going from like not the best lifestyle to that you, it's too hard to do you can't just yeah. go to 1700 calories right so you you kind of need to learn a bit more about like food and how it impacts you hormone hormonally appetite wise, etc. So the summary is after hundreds of hours of listening and learning about this stuff is just eat great protein, eat vegetables, most of your meals, eggs, good quality protein. And honestly, that for most people is probably going to work pretty well. And, um, drink lots of water you know and get to sleep like you said so that's kind of the summary but it really like I'm literally doing extreme stuff like I'm wearing a continuous glucose monitor. I'm doing the aura ring I'm like putting everything in my fitness power I've got like everything just because I like to geek out over it and it helps me but for most people they don't need to do that so that's kind of my my situation right now kettlebells, Trying to play kettlebells tennis. are great kettlebells the move kettlebells You're all right. good
1: we know jack's got a couple there and he he's has got to, a couple yeah always oh, mixing and matching where the uh, the seed <coughs> phrase is which mm. ones <laughs>
0: exactly. yeah so no one knows <laughs> split one side each all right um next question i know trung was excited to share this this is from max widma i don't know if i'm saying your surname the widma brothers, sure. yeah. Yeah. brothers. i was brother. gonna nick say nick and these max. guys are ni legends uh we've spoken to them in the dms and stuff uh, Max asked, what is the most impactful book you've each read fiction or nonfiction, all time, favorite movie. And I'm going to throw in the podcast since we okay. were talking about it earlier.
1: Oh, great question. Strung, great Reader. question. Uh, I feel like you got a
0: few for us. You know what, you I'm, not, I'm
1: not going to bombard people with recommendations. So my favorite writer is Christopher Hitchens. Um, uh, British, uh, writer, um, you guys know Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. He's
0: very we well, allege.
1: probably 10, 15 years ago is way more well-known. He's a uh, probably head of the uh, the atheist movement, but it's not the atheism stuff that, that that interests me. It's more like, guys, just, he is an incredible writer. He's like the type of writer where you're like, oh, you're reading, you're like, this guy's so fucking good. And uh, this is like the North Star where you want to accomplish um as, uh, as somebody that wants to work in media. But like this, I mean, Christopher Hitchens, like visited North Korea, he went to Iran, he went to Iraq, like he's was on the ground. Uh, for one article for Vanity Fair, he wanted to see what it felt to get waterboarded. So oh, a, a CIA agent, literally, uh, he asked the CIA agents, like, don't tell me when you're gonna abduct me? abduct me, like on the street, like, give me the treatment. So like, randomly was abducted from the street one day, given the full waterboard treatment just to see how bad it was. it's like, yeah, it was really fucking bad, but like, uh, he's just an amazing writer an amazing, uh, logical thinker. And, uh, uh, he covers the breadth of his work is astounding. So the one book I'll say that was all preamble to say, um, read his biography, Hitch 22. Uh, and the other one I'd recommend is his collection of essays. Arguably is the name of it. Uh, and the reason I say that is he teaches you about history, but just like like if you want to know the gold standard of what it's like to do nonfiction writing as an essayist, uh, he is that. And I mean, probably our generation's Orwell in that sense. And the last thing I'll say about his writing is, uh, oh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. I love Christopher Hitchens. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Sam Harris. Um, um, I know Sam Harris is going through some, uh, some issues right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that. Busy like getting canceled on Twitter. We don't have to talk about it. But um, he was relaying some stories about hanging on Christopher Hitchens and Christopher Hitchens did not have an aura ring. He, <laughs> Christopher Hitchens did not wear a whoop. He was blacking out, like partying till <laughs> five, six in the morning and then writing like the greatest pieces of, like, English literature that's wild. in the early yeah, 21st century. That's
0: th- Flat what Theo Vaughn said when they asked what your favorite type of marijuana is. Have you heard yeah. this story? Cocaine. <laughs> yeah, because go- my favorite type of marijuana was cocaine. <laughs> so so just, is just my
1: answer. Yeah, you gotta do the books and then we'll hit the movies next, so... All go right, ahead. Great
0: great recommendation. I haven't read Hitch uh, 22 I need to add that. Jack, what about you, mate? I think that's a hard one. I don't really have one book. I actually... D- Rarely complete
2: a whole book as well. Like I don't read that much nonfiction. I want to, uh, sorry, I don't re- read that much fiction. That's a uh, aspiration of mine to work that into the routine more. I think it's good for your imagination and vocabulary and all those good things. Um, Turns your brain of, off at night in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get you, get you thinking about other stuff. So I'm going to u- do a, um, a book that influenced me the most, but before it was written by our friend Eric Jorgensen, Almanac nice. of Naval. Mm. So a lot of the good. content that is in that book was very influential in my professional journey the last few years and was fortunate enough to contribute some illustrations to yes, that book. Yes, you were. Incredible. So if, any, if nobody's read that, it's free too. You can get it on, uh, I think it's Novalmanac.com. You can download what's in it. it.
1: Jack, tell the people what's in it.
2: So it's, uh, it's basically a organized collection of his writing and thinking organized i think into three chapters health wealth happiness and uh yeah just eric did an incredible job on it like worked on it for years and years and got it organized and naval gave it the blessing and provided all the material just a really amazing project and i think uh eric's working on the balaji version of that right now oh, so i would you say, say
1: the Navalmanac is a perfect example of permissionless apprentice i
2: would it's in fact in the permissionless apprentice curriculum my friend okay, can you explain
1: yeah. why it is the perfect example of permissionless apprentice
2: yeah because um it all happened without permission this is not something i think naval would have um pursued himself based on what i know about him and what he's written but eric put a tweet out and said you know i'm a huge student and admirer of everything you've written i might compile this into a book who would be interested it blew up the tweet blew up and uh, i think Naval replied and said yeah whatever you need just hit me up and we'll we'll get the material to you and uh, he made it and i think it's like number one in a bunch of categories on amazon still and uh,
0: I think, honestly, it's my most highlighted book. It's an incredible book. It's really, well, it's the amount of, if you like the style of Naval's tweets is, you know, the stuff he's shared in the past. Um, It is very, like, it's just dense. Like, dense with information like that. You're like, oh, that's a bar. Like, let me highlight that. Save that. And uh, and again, not to plug all that stuff, but I did do almost two hour, hour and a half, two hours with Eric Jorgensen on Lab talking about the best parts of the book, his favorite parts of the book. We call out a bunch of the concepts and stuff. So if you're interested, just Google Eric Jorgensen Crate Lab, there's, um, information there. And the cool thing is I remember looking it up on like Goodreads or Kindle and it was that like Eric Jorgensen, Tim Ferriss, cause I think he does the forward and Jack Butcher. And I was like, man, this is great company here for your boys. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. recommend that book. Um, anything else on that Jack before I, I can share something really quickly as well. No, no. Cool. Um, I'll uh, similar to Jack I can't really pick one because it's really difficult it's like like one that's impacted me the most is really hard so I'll adjust it slightly it's more like something I've read more recently that I found very interesting which honestly I'm not even sure most of our audience would find interesting but I'm going to share it anyway it was the one that I recently read I was like man that's this is so different to something I've read before it's called Inner City Pressure the story of grime by Dan Hancocks I remember sending it to Jack when I read it and for people that don't know grime is a form of music that came out of London UK and like something both me and Jack grew up listening to we you know really big fans of it and the interesting thing here is um if you just want like a a history lesson in like modern britain essentially this is such an interesting take on it because they it story tells through music you know they're telling all these old stories that we know about but then kind of overlaying this history layer which honestly i didn't know half of this stuff even just growing up there and it talks a lot about like immigration the waves of immigration which includes people like my parents come from pakistan and people from the Caribbean and just like this amazing story. It's kind of a story of London, of modern London, in my opinion. And you get these cool stories coming in and moments it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if someone who doesn't know much about Graham would find it as interesting as I did, but if you know anything about that music, um, or interested, that was one I listened to uh, read recently and uh, really enjoyed it. I love that class. Uh, and I will say, a shout out to our friend Elijah who listens to NIA. He's quoted in the book, actually. So, uh, I'm pretty sure. So uh, NIA wow. listener in there. So let's go uh, support our boy. Okay. Last uh, to wrap us up. Hold on.
1: We won't. We skip the movie one and do the podcast one because movies okay, is cool. too
0: hard, man. Um, yeah, movies. We're we gonna say the same, like Goodfellas, Godfather. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I was this gonna say that
1: Well, my Lake, little, all, yeah. the only thing I'll say about the movie one is. My criteria for what is the most important? I mean, you can right. You can't pick. It'd be yeah, like hard. if I had to watch a movie over and over again for the rest of my life, what would it be? It probably would be The Godfather because there's so many layers. And so good. Uh, uh but yeah, so podcast, man. Uh, hardcore history uh, is Tim Ferriss's. I think favorite podcast. I think it's Elon's favorite podcast. It's what it's. Rogan incredible. as well. I think it's his favorite. Yeah. You know. It's it's not even a podcast. It's it's its own form of media it's, it's like uh,
0: an audio book interactive audio yeah, book almost it's, it's like-, like
1: five hour long podcasts about historical topics typically ones that involve war um uh if you have never heard hardcore history i just recommend listen to it but the the most recent one about uh japan uh, the superpower from the east uh, supernova from the east uh the rise of japan leading up to world war ii and then the end of world war ii incredible. It's just incredible. It's like twenty hours of content, and you can't. You, wait. you have
0: to pay for these ones, yeah. No,
1: the the most recent ones are free, free. So that one's free, but the, the ones are a bit you older. For, yeah, which are probably if you wanna, worth it. Yeah, if you want to listen uh, to an archive, let me just drop. Uh, if people are looking for content is listen to Ghost of the Oz Front. That's uh, the uh, German versus uh, uh, Soviet uh, Soviets in uh, World War Two. Insane. It's just nice. absolutely insane.
0: Killer, Jack, you got one, mate
2: i'm gonna have to skip this one i'm the same with i'm episode based i'm not a uh i'm not a subscriber to any given podcast stream but that may change in the future so we'll come back to
0: it yeah fair enough
1: well do you have a favorite episode
2: no okay
0: (laughs) fair enough all right i think i i I might even skip as well because i feel like minor. It really depends on the mood, but I guess, yeah, I mean, honestly, mine are probably like old Rogan ones, which I, I would have to kind of think a little bit about, but there are a few old ones where I've watched, listened to them a few times. Give and me they one, really, give us one. Honestly, they're kind of boring for most people, but since we talked about the health stuff earlier, there's ones with like Peter Atiyah, Dr. Peter Atiyah, who now okay. has his own podcast, Drive, uh, Rhonda Patrick. Um, there's a few these like health people, which I learned so much and honestly, it probably did have the most impact on me in a way as well. Actual physical impact and like learning wise and like actually trying to take myself in a certain direction. So I think those ones, this there's, there's probably some others that were more like philosophical. Um but yeah, I haven't listened to those ones for a little while. So yeah, I'd I'd say a couple of those. Um and we're hitting time shortly. Is, Jack, do you need I to actually, go? Yeah,
2: I'm gonna revise my answer. Yes. Here
0: we go. Let's the do Sailor
2: it. the Sailor series. Oh, there we go. <laughs> What is money? <laughs>
0: Wait, Robert Breedlove. How can we forget we that? Yeah. How yeah. could we forget that? Crazy Jesus how I can come up with
2: that. That's definitely my most listened. So uh that's an incredibly produced and researched and just epic work. Robert Breedlove, shout out.
0: If you wanna hear about goats on a mountain and applied to Bitcoin, that's your move.
2: That's gonna um, be a classic, man. I'm gonna be listening to that in a retirement home, mate. Yeah, that's
1: that- <laughs> That was a very, I mean, we, we joke about it a lot. For the listeners that don't know about the goat on the mountain, Jack, please explain to them the goat on the mountain.
2: My, I, I probably need to re-listen to it, but I believe it's like one of the first sentences uh, in the What Is Money podcast, which is essentially the uh, this massive production to try and dis- like describe what money is from first principles. And I believe that is a physics analogy where nature takes the fastest and most intelligent route through evolution right so a goat on the mountain if an eagle is trying to eat a goat all they'll do is go and pick it up by the shoulders and chuck it off the edge instead of getting into a <laughs> dude, you know a scrap dude, wasting what, a calories. Visual.
1: what a visual
2: yeah so uh, if you google actually goat mountain goat Listen, goat i don't want to get
1: clipped People clipping me and throwing it on Twitter, but they, listen, Trunks, like, listen, Trung's like at Glee at a goat getting thrown off the mountain. I'm laughing that the explanation for why Bitcoin will become a hundred trillion dollar asset starts with a goat on a mountain.
2: We gotta go there back is. that far to get it. Well, actually, we you guys
1: will laugh. You guys remember when our boy Packy was getting dragged on Twitter uh, over his uh, thoughts about mortgages on the blockchain? I texted him. I'm like, Packy, you made the biggest mistake of anybody in content. If you're talking about crypto, you have to start with goats on the mountain. <laughs> you can't get dragged into the weeds on this, buddy. Yeah. Goats on the mountain, 50,000 foot level. Storytelling. Let's go back to it. There we go.
0: So anyways, um, Jack, do you need to bounce now? Yeah. How are you doing for time? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to shoot boys. Uh, thanks for, right. uh,
2: That's good do we have, do we have trunk, any other good got, questions? I
0: got one or two just for you, actually, that we can, if okay, you've got let's, five let's, minutes, do, we can get, yeah, let's just do Trunks down. Fan zone.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll finish it off, off
0: without you, uh, Jack. Thanks for Did You know how much joining, I love mate. talking. Yeah, there we go. So just a couple more. So this one was quite a funny one from Logan, but I think it's actually an interesting question because a lot of people ask this, um, Logan said, personal question for Trang, was your MBA worth it? Would you do it again slash recommend doing an MBA to others? I have some thoughts too, but it's to you. So you hit it. I would not do
1: my MBA again. Um. The like the criteria for doing an MBA should be: Are you getting into top fifteen or twenty school? I think that's it. Um, Otherwise, it And it even then, do you
0: still? It still depends. No, or you say if you can get yeah, in top twenty, If, it's you, worth if it? you can get in top ten school, it's probably worth it. Yeah, even what if you already went to a top ten school for undergrad? Okay, you still think I think, it adds well, a lot I think value? what Bilal is pointing
1: out here is that okay, fully contextual, right? You're making a great point. So let me explain why I did my MBA. All right. Uh, I did my MBA because I lived in Vietnam for five years getting hammered and doing nothing with my life. And uh, I, I made my uh, now wife leave a very cushy, high paying corporate job in Southeast Asia to move to a continent. She did not know anyone. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to do some proper corporate laddering to make her like a, a, a sacrifice here worth it. So I had two options was go where I had like my time in Southeast Asia was not worth very much to North America. right? Um. So I'm like, okay. Like, get an MBA. That'll probably be the easiest route to reintegrate into North American society, uh, corporate-wise. Uh, I d I hadn't discovered Twitter by then. So if I had, what it'd be a totally is this different for, game.
0: To contextualize? 2014? Yeah, so it's still a different world So yeah, if, if I was if
1: I was hitting Twitter in 2014 and doing what I do now, it'd be game over. But I didn't because I don't have the foresight. So that was my reason to do the MBA. So looking back I wouldn't do it because I don't I didn't need it right in in any capacity what I'm doing now but that's obviously hindsight's 2020 would so it's all contextual it's like what's the reason you're doing the NBA right if it if it's a top 10 school I I would say it's probably worth it even if you have uh the brand name undergrad below to answer your question uh because those schools are just I mean the opportunity set and the network is insane so if you can get in the top 10 it's probably worth it uh otherwise uh, you're gonna have to start these other considerations that we have is like, what do you actually want to do? Could you build your brand separate from the school? It might take a little bit longer, but then you'll save yourself $300,000 opportunity yeah. costs if you're going to a U.S. school. So what I would say is the, the need to do it is probably less now because you can make yourself a commodity in the job market. If that's what you want to do. Um, those avenues are all available. And the opportunity cost is just so massive. It's just such a like. Take the yeah. in the states, right? Particularly the states, a top twenty to thirty school in the states, that's going to cost you, including tuition, four two grand. Grand on the grand or yeah. four hundred grand. Crazy. Yeah, and uh, and they tell you that oh, you'll make that over the earning of your life. But it's like, well, actually, going back to what we spoke about earlier, can you build your own brand without it? And in that case, no, it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. And uh, that's what I would say.
0: So and I think that's perfectly put. I would say just personally because I did business and st- I went to a business school undergrad basically and a lot of my friends ended up going and doing MBAs and stuff and I know people from Google and other worlds that have done you know, this a lot and even in my old team, a girl my team, I helped uh, t- t- you know, with a recommendation and all that sort of stuff for it. So know a little bit about the process and the cost and the considerations. My personal opinion is if you want to start a company, I don't think it's something I would personally recommend with that lens, which is something I always think about. It doesn't mean you can't go to Wharton and start Warby Parker like those guys did. Or whatever. Stanford HBS, right? But but that's like the
1: top, top, top And even then, it's a
0: small percentage of the people, right? Like they're all successful people on paper, depending on what you count as success. But I'm saying specifically, if you're someone who wants to start a company, honestly, with a new environment too. When you're doing it in the 2010s, you went to Stanford is a little bit different you're still going to be fine but if you do a stanford mba and you've got like a good background before and you go to raise money in silicon valley yeah you you've got a decent chance of being able to get to that next round and surviving whereas i think the environment's a little bit different now but specifically if you're in consulting you know investment banking or some sort of banking finance even accountancy stuff like that that yeah plenty reason to do it corporate guy do that exactly it's corporate yeah Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that like you're gonna make money you're gonna rise up the ranks uh one of my friends um was an interesting example where he worked at google me for a while worked in media before that wanted a change didn't really know what to do and he did that he went for two years and ended up joining the nba like basketball right awesome And he went as a more senior, and that was quite a cool move. Though he got there for a year and was like, "Man, this is so slow," and ended up at Facebook anyway, kind of in a role he probably could have got anyway, to be honest. And I've seen that quite, which again, like, he's fine. He's he earns plenty of money. It's all dependent. That's the answer. It's all
1: dependent. I'm just giving. Again, I would not do it again. The summary
0: is: if you want to do corporate, you want to stay in big companies. 100% 100% it can help you but i don't think you need to do it to get to that stage nowadays if you do, if you're someone who's really interested in like startups and smaller stuff I mostly think it's not in your favor. I think you people respect. there someone who's hired people from with MBAs too. It wasn't something that stood out on a page right, to me. Right. I was like, oh, that's cool, you're smart, but like, what else did you do? So that other stuff was more important. Did to me. you have a blog about English football teams? <laughs> yeah, no. One there's actually one guy that went to Cornell. <laughs> I, I think at Cornell, and I hired him, and he had a blog. He had like these side projects, amazing. Which seriously, I was very interested I
1: think in that more interesting than NBA, to be honest, right? It yeah. shows that you're a self-starter Initiative. and like, and you're like, you actually care about stuff, right? Like NBA is like, do you actually care about what you're being taught in NBA programs? Like, no, not really, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, do I care about portfolio theory?
0: I don't that's the answer to a total <laughs> yeah. question. Um, 100%, <laughs> all right, we could probably wrap it up, but the last question since we didn't get to ask Jack this, but this was since last time we got asked about barbecue. Dustin said, what type of barbecue do you like? Jack is in barbecue country. Maybe we can ask him next time. I don't know if you have an answer to this. Dude, I got to say, I off. had this
1: conversation with the missus. Asian barbecue is very underrated. Woo. Yeah, me, that's true. Me, the Korean barbecue game, oh, fresh. The Japanese barbecue Japanese. game, fresh. And Love it. You know, them Filipinos will roll 30 deep to the park and be cooking up something <laughs> in the, dude, that's a new, literally in Vancouver, you go to any park.
0: Oh my God. There's going to the be a
1: congregation of dozens of Filipinos. Making some delicious, delicious barbecue. I um, agree. That's probably not the barbecue answer people are looking for, but and you can't eight, really
0: buy it in the store. There's not, well, you can do the Korean, yeah, Korean H has
1: all the uh, pre marinated stuff, right? But like, man, if you're talking about barbecue, barbecue, yeah, like stuff down south, you can't lose, right? Yeah, I will say the Asian stuff, and this isn't surprising, it's much lighter. Like, you won't leave an Asian barbecue being like, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're in New York, like, if you go out to Koreatown. There's a place in East Village I used to go that was a block from me uh, called Yakinuku West, which I oh, think I yeah. sent you a picture. That is like the real like. I mean, they I, they changed it. Used to go, you used to go and take your shoes off and go sit down and like get this really cool experience as well. But now they just turned it into a normal. Listen, restaurant, any
1: but, restaurant that has a heating element at the table, woo. I fuck with that. Like yeah, exactly. if you got a heating got element they the Intestines at, on the no. on the menu. <laughs> yeah, Yo, I you know, you know trung hits the intestines. Uh, oh, I sure. zero qualms about that.
0: Um and actually the last thing I add, you mentioned the Asian um barbecues. I'm also Asian, a different form of Asian Pakistani, South Asian brother. And uh I will say my favorite barbecue honestly is my dad a Pakistani barbecue is something also very underrated. You get the kebabs, like this, the I don't even know what, what you say in English, but like the long ones, they kind of like Middle Eastern style. You would have had them, and you get like lamb chops, like baby lamb chops, like these tiny oh. little ones. Whew, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that is hard to beat. You get a little chutney on the side, a little naan, a little bit of greens. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the move. Um, all right, boys, I think we can. Uh, I mean, sorry. All right, Trunk, uh, I yeah. think we can call it here. Um, we went a few minutes over, because yeah, uh, Jack awesome. had to leave. But that was great. Let us know what you think of this. If you're listening on YouTube, I know a lot of you have just uh, found this for the first time in, in the last month or so. Um, check out some of our archives. We've got lots and lots of cool conversations. We've got two, three other AMAs like this as well. And uh, if you prefer to listen, like most people do, you can go on Spotify, Apple, any podcast app, find us there, just search Not Investment Advice. And we appreciate all your support spreading the word. And we will see you next week. Cheers. Peace.